0: the end of our mission work in the beachfront here in Virginia Beach, I was sitting in the living room of Partner's Lodge where we lived and worked out of. We'd been there for almost 10 years. And for three years, there'd been a young man that had been serving with us there. And as I sat there in the living room during a Bible study, he came up and stood in front of me. And he said, Don, I've just heard a song, and I want to play it for you. And I want to dedicate it because it says what this young man was saying. It says what I would like to say to you, Don. I didn't know what that was going to be. But it was this song. And this young man, after having served with us for three years... And I say this very humbly, very thankfully. He was saying thank you to me for serving the Lord, for giving to the Lord. And he was saying that he was a life that has changed. Now who is that young man? Scott Chafee. He and Kim and little Stephen came with us in about 1987 and served us and he was our director of discipleship and he ministered with us and loved us and we loved him and them and just had a great experience. You know, I hope you know that Scott went on there in about 1990 and served South Norfolk Baptist Church. And then he and Kim went to Africa as missionaries for the Lord, came back here, he worked for the International Mission Board, and guess what, 16 years ago he ended up where? Right here at King's Grand Baptist Church. And so I am thrilled to know that for what little part we had, Mickey and I and Partners Christian Ministry, back in the 80s it contributed to this fine man who's now continuing with his ministry for the Lord. And so I had to, as we were coming to this day of focusing on raising up leaders, uh, creating within our church, within our small groups, what I would call servant leaders. I wanted to honor Scott And thanks, Scott, for being a continuation of all this, that not so much that I created, but that Jesus Christ created. And part of what I want to share to you today follows up on that, because, and I ask Scott's permission to do this, because this booklet that I'm holding in my hand has much, much information Now, if you're not aware that there are these types of booklets, not just this one, but Scott produces these things all the time. I mean, every now and then, I'll just wake up and there's another one out on the rack in front of his office. And please, if you haven't read these, please begin, I mean, I don't know how many there are. I didn't count, but there are several on different types of service and discipleship and leadership and all that we do in God's kingdom. And in this particular one, Scott has done a a wonderful treatment of the 17th chapter of the book of John. And this is a statement of Jesus in his prayers for his people. Now remember that we're emphasizing, we're asking all of us, not just teachers of small groups, But it's part of our Christian experience to share and to teach and to uplift each other. And I am saying, Scott's saying, we're saying that that is a really important part of our church and of our small groups to to mentor. You understand that term? To, To give in to somebody else or several somebody else. What God has given to you. Now I will tell you as we come to this prayer in just a few minutes of Jesus Christ for his people, I would have to declare to you that Jesus, we sometimes call him the master teacher, and that is so true. He teaches in truth and perfection. But I would like to apply that same kind of concept to him today to say that Jesus Christ is the master mentor. He is a mentor of people, a mentor of He wants, Jesus wants to lift us up into growth, into discipleship, into servanthood. And so today we're going to look, if you want to follow along, we're going to look at the 17th chapter of the book of John. Now some of the scriptures are going to be on the screen in front of us, but I want to just back up and introduce you, remind you that... The 17th chapter of John is the sort of the ending chapter of a discourse that Jesus was involved in this night before he was crucified. If you go to the book of John, you will see chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Five chapters in the book of John take place the night before Jesus is crucified when he is talking to to a group of people, believers, disciples, his apostles. And he is, I guess I would say, even sort of finalizing his human discipleship or his human mentoring to his group here in these chapters. And then he comes to this 17th chapter and it is all about Jesus praying And what I want to do is to go through, and again, this is part of what Scott has given to us through the booklet that I held up just a moment ago. I want to give the Lord credit and Scott credit for that because starting in in chapter 17, it says, after Jesus had said all these other things, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. And He says, it says here, Father, the time has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted, and I'm going to change the pronouns just a little bit, for you granted me authority over all people that I might give eternal life to all those you have given to me. Now, this is Jesus Christ talking, and he's introducing this prayer. He's talking to his Father. And he is saying, in this first statement, the foundational element of us raising up leaders, of being disciples, of sharing with other people in a discipleship mode, he's saying the first thing certainly is that you need to be saved. And he's saying that he is the one, Jesus is the one, that has the authority for salvation. Now, certainly I believe that we already know that, but that is absolutely a necessity as in our small groups or in our church that we help people to be disciples they have to they have to be saved they have to have Jesus Christ you and I have to have Jesus Christ in our lives because without Jesus Christ we do not do not then have the Holy Spirit when you receive Jesus Christ you receive the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit in your life empowers you and teaches you and me how to be servant leaders, to be teachers, to be disciples. And so that's what we see in verse 2 of this passage. Then we go to verse 8 of chapter 17, and it says, For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed you sent me. Now, remember that they is his his followers. It's the people that he's mentoring, that he's discipling, that he's raising up to go forward with witness and with leadership. Now, he's saying that I gave them the words you gave me. Now, I'm not going to take time today to go over some of the very powerful words that Jesus gave to his disciples then and continues to give to you and me, but we've talked about them several times in recent days. What are the words? Even just think about the commandments, the the great commission to go and make disciples, the, the great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, to be witnesses, to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all over the world. Now these are the words that Jesus is talking about here, and He is saying that with my leaders, the people that I'm bringing up to to share the gospel, I'm giving them the words that they need. Well, remember, Jesus is the same now as he was two thousand years ago, as far as those things are concerned. so for our church, for your small group, for your fellowship, for each other, we have the words that we need to give to each other. we need to lift each other up with the words that God has given to us, as Jesus is saying here. Then we look at at uh, verse number nine and Jesus is saying I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world but I'm praying for those you have given me for they are yours. Now think please for a moment do you pray for each other? Jesus is saying I'm praying for those that follow me. I'm praying for those that I'm raising up that I'm teaching to be teachers. What about in your small group? Do you pray for the people in your small group? Do you as small group teachers? Do you pray for the people in your group? But further than that, we're supposed to pray for each other. And I would love to pray for people. Now, sometimes we use prayer as just a sort of a, a bailout. I'm sorry to have to say that, but somebody comes up and says, I'm really struggling with us and so, and they, you, you kind of pat them on the shoulder and you say, well, I'm going to pray for you. And then you walk on down the hall. Why don't you stop right there and pray for them? Now, I do it much of the time that way. I'm not going to say I'm perfect. Sometime I'll walk on down the hall. And shame on me. I will tell you, and I'm thankful to be able to say this, I did remember what the preacher was saying right now because after the 9.30 service, a man came up to me and shared a real burden that he had for his wife that had a terrible accident. Well, Thank you, Lord. I remembered what I said. And I said to the young man, and I put my arm around his shoulder, and I said, we're going to pray right now. And standing right there, I prayed for him, prayed for his wife, and I thank the Lord that we have that privilege. Well, that's part of mentoring amongst Christian people and in your small group. And so Jesus is saying, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for these the people that I love. That's in verse 9. Now, we go on to verse 12. And he says there, While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name that you gave me. I protected them. Now, my question to you is, are you a protector of your Christian brothers and sisters? Now, I pray that we never have to physically protect, but through prayer and fellowship and lifting up and forgiveness and good communication and worship and study and all that we do in the church, isn't that protection? Protection from what? We are assailed, assaulted by deception of the world. The enemy, Satan, wants to derail you and me. I've said often that when you're a Christian, Satan cannot have you. There's not room there for him because Jesus Christ has you. But Satan does and will mess with you, trip you up, trick you. He is a scheming, deceiving, lying entity. Well, Jesus right here is saying, while I was with them, I protected them and kept, kept them safe. Well, the question for me and you is, do we protect each other prayerfully and by fellowship and by good words and by lifting each other up? Do we protect? Do we encourage? Do we accept? Do we believe in each other? That's part of what being good disciples and raising people up in the church as servant leaders and good teachers. That's part of what we're to do. And I also will encourage you, when you protect, you need to take initiative. Sometimes, as I said a moment ago, we just want to walk on down the hall. We don't want to be bothered by it. That's wrong. We're supposed to be bothered. (laughs) Not in a bad way. I tell people, and, and I'm very thankful, one of the things as pastor of this church is I love being interrupted. <laughs> yeah. Because when somebody interrupts me, if they want to talk to me, like this young man after the service this morning, or like somebody comes to my office, yeah, I might be studying, or I might be praying, or I might be taking a nap. I don't know. But I want to be interrupted. Because that then gives me a chance to raise you up, uh, to protect you, to listen to you, to honor you, to pray with you. And that's part of what Jesus is saying here. We go on to verse 18. And he says in verse 18, as you sent me into the world, he's talking to his father. He's saying, Father, as you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. Now, what does that sound like? I want to propose to you that that is a statement of mission and service. Jesus is calling people and leading people and teaching people as he is teaching you and me to be on mission. Now that's part of our Christian experience. And to be on mission means that we are to serve. We are to be about whatever God puts in front of us, whatever we're about to do to honor him and to share his truth and to expand his kingdom. And Jesus is saying right there in this whole business of mentoring and raising up leaders with his disciples, as you sent me into the world, Father, I have sent them into the world. I've sent them out on mission there in verse 18. Verse 20, it says that my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Now, what is that? We use the word multiplication. Well, let me, I like that word. That's a good word, to multiply the believers in Jesus Christ. But let's talk about bearing fruit. (laughs) Isn't that what Jesus is saying? He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. Now, remember when this was said over 2,000 years ago. How many people have believed in Jesus Christ because of the message of the followers? Go back and read the book of Acts and see the New Testament church and all the thousands of people that accepted and began to follow Jesus. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. But not just for 2,000 years ago, but for today, for right now, in King's Grant Church, in your small group. He is saying that my prayer is not just for them alone. I pray for those that are going to believe because of your witness, because of your study, because of your service, because of mine, all of us together as Christian people. And then we go on to verse 23. It says, I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and that, here's the key phrase, and that I have loved them even as you have loved loved me. Now, Jesus is saying, my followers, I have loved them. Do you understand that he's saying that to you and me? Yes, he's saying that through scripture. He's saying that through the Holy Spirit. He's saying that because it is truth. He's saying that I have loved you And then he is saying more than that because you and I, as we're making disciples and and being disciples and raising up people in our small groups and in our church, he's saying that a basic foundation of this whole raising up is loving relationship. I have said many times, I believe relationships are the most important thing in the world. There's nothing higher than that. First, our relationship with Jesus Christ and then our relationship with others that we love, our families, our church family, and then we're to build relationships with people that we don't even know or people that we don't really love. We may not even like them, but we are to love them because that's part of what Jesus is saying there, that he is asking, he is encouraging, he is in so many ways commanding that we love. And that's part of making disciples and bringing up servant leaders. And he finishes this wonderful prayer for followers in verse 26. He says, I have made you known to them. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his father. He's talking to Almighty God. He says, I have made you known to them and and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me He's saying the Father loves him, Jesus Christ. The love you have for me may be in them and that I, may, I myself may be in them. Jesus is saying through love, I want to be with my people. I want to be with the people that believe. And the love that, Father, you have in me, he says, I'm going to share it with other people. Now that is a part of, of us raising up leaders, being disciples, and making disciples. Now, I'm gonna finish my comments with something that Scott had written in this pamphlet that I held up a moment ago. I really like these words, I honor these words, and they are truth when we come to making servant leaders. It says, the spiritual norm is that as we grow in Christ, We move from being consumers to contributors. We move from being getters to become givers. We do for others what they have done for us. Now, just please think about yourself for a moment. Is that a part of your life? As you're making disciples, as you're in your small group, as you're in your church family, it says that we move from being getters to becoming givers. We do for others what they have done for us. He goes on to say, the goal of the Great Commission is to make disciples who can make disciples. Now think about it. That's not double talk. (laughs) The Great Commission is for disciples who can make disciples. That's you and me. We're to go and make disciples in all nations. God never intended the average believer to be merely a consumer his entire Christian life. We must not hoard what we have been entrusted with, but pass it on to the next generation of believers so that they can teach others. If and when, I pray when, we're doing this according to these kind of scriptures, according to the leadership of Jesus Christ, according to what is a part of our Christian experience, then we're gonna honor the Lord, the kingdom is gonna grow, and this church will be better and better and better and better and better. That's our call as Christian peoples in this room, in your small group, in our fellowship, in your ministry teams, in your committees, is this whole business of relationships, love, prayer, and committing ourselves to Jesus Christ. Please think on these things, not because I'm saying it, but it is scripture and it is truth. Let's pray for a moment, please.